It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're continuing the countdown to kickoff today, and I took a look on my Saturday night. I spent my Saturday night looking at the Bengals record books, and I was looking at all-time Bengals records that might fall this year, so we'll round those up in the third segment of the show. Some of you have fair feedback for us that we're not great at Bengals history, so if you, a listener, are great at Bengals history and you'd like to come on to the show and give a history lesson, get in our mentions and we'll talk about it. And we'll have maybe a little contest to see who's the best Bengals historian or something. Give you a chance to talk to the people about Bengals history. Maybe we should create a quiz. Create a quiz, yeah. Yeah, they got those things online you can do. Yeah, uh, Sporkle? I don't know what they're called. And you only have like 10 seconds to answer, so you can't go look it up. Yeah, because if you have to look it up, I mean, you could write it, I guess. Write, write your own history. Anyway, uh, go find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, on Spotify. Give it a listen. Give it a like if you enjoy the show. Give us a review if you have feedback for us. But you can also get in our mentions at any time. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the current show. So, starting with the countdown to kickoff. Today we are officially, I believe, 59. That can't be right. 39? What? 39 what? Days until kickoff? 49? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> We're on number 52. We're 49 days away from Bengals kickoff today. Ah, uh, I see. So we're catching up, right? I just couldn't remember which day it was specifically, but where we left off is on number 52, like Joe said, which is Preston Brown, the second year Bengals linebacker. He's a veteran, second year with the club. He's a Cincinnati guy who's been in Buffalo, so he's pretty much Joe and me put together. That's right. And uh, like everyone signed to Cincinnati from Buffalo or from anywhere, really, right? Uh, Just like Brent Jarvis Green-Ellis never fumbled once with the Patriots. What's he doing? Cincinnati fumbles right away. Well, Preston Brown, known for his durability, played about 99% of the snaps for the Buffalo Bills, never played less than 1,000 snaps, even though they, they... didn't like him being in their nickel package. That's why the Buffalo was so aggressive in uh, upgrading the linebacker unit last season when they traded up for Tremaine Edmonds in the draft. Um, they had to play Preston Brown all three downs, and he played over a thousand snaps every year. Comes to Cincinnati, uh, that looks to be the plan again for him. And very quickly, he is injured, deals with injuries, and ultimately ends up on injury reserve. 
That's right. He was hurt for much of the season. I only actually remembered without looking that he missed the second half of the season, essentially. But he also missed three games. He missed weeks three, two, three, and four, two and three. He missed two games early. Yeah, because he was dealing with it. That's why it seemed like it lingered longer because he was questionable. Um, he was unsure of playing, I think, even week four, and he ended up playing that. Yeah, so it's about 45 snaps every game for the first uh, four weeks before he really hit his stride at 58, 73, 65, and then that was it. That's right. And he'll be the similar guy that he was, right? He'll be a veteran presence out there. He'll, he should be solid. He should not be spectacular. Don't expect that from Preston Brown. He should be right. solid in the run game. He should be okay in coverage, although occasionally he'll get exposed due to athletic limitations. And he should be solid as a tackler. He's, in his career, been a very good tackler, reliable tackler. Yes, and even last year with the, on a defense that struggled, uh, he was a fine tackler. There was only one game he really had here where it looked like he missed some tackles. Other than that, um, he was like everybody else. He missed three versus Tampa for whatever reason, and that was the only missed tackles he had all year. If you look at his PFF grades for the, all his previous four seasons, he's always at least, oh, yeah, the one bad year. They're always at least in the 70s, so that's good. That's something that the Bengals could have. But really, when you look at his grades as a whole, last year was pretty much what he normally is, right? Around uh, yeah. where he is. He's just baseline the lowest level of starter you could probably stomach. I would say he's slightly below average starter. Yeah. Judging because right. like, with their grading system, right? If we're talking PFF grades, he's a below average starter. Right. Or you look at him and you say, yeah, he's starting, you know, but he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. I can handle it as long as the other two linebackers are good. And that's not the case here. So it's kind of, we may focus on him a little bit harder than we should. When the truth is he shouldn't be out there for a thousand snaps he should be out there as a base four three and i shouldn't even say base but as a uh, rundown defender middle linebacker and that's it and instead i think he's gonna have to play much more than that and he's gonna be in situations where he's gonna look worse most of the time that's right he of course like i mentioned is a cincinnati guy he went to northwest high school on cincinnati's west side played running back in high school interesting also played basketball so he was an athletic guy and Graduated from Louisville, he finished his degree, and now he's been in the NFL. So, so the Bengals, him. yeah, the Bengals sent him the one-year prove-it deal. We talked about Bobby Hart already. Those are basically their, their two guys from last year where they said, okay, we'll give you a one-year deal, we're going to play you, and see if you can earn a deal. And both guys didn't show they could earn a deal or that they should earn an extension, and both did. Preston Brown is now the second guy. Honestly, if it wasn't for the Bobby Hart contract, I think we probably would have talked about Preston a little bit more as maybe the bad contract they gave out this offseason. Uh, it was originally reported as a three-year, $21 million deal that was cut down, really. It, it's total incentives as a $21 million. It ends up being a three-year, $16.5 million that the Bengals can get, get out of after 2020 and save about $5 million with less than a million in dead space. But point being, that's similar to the other contracts they give out this offseason. But uh, I think we would have looked at Preston Brown a little harsher had the Bobby Hart signing not taken most of our attention. I think I think I would have only gotten on its case for the duration of it. Like, right. why why do you even need to give him three years? Because right. I think he got the money a one year deal last year. Okay. No yeah, one wanted exactly. him last year. You get a one year deal for five point five million, I believe it was last year. Now he gets a slight potential raise and three years potentially uh, uh, for what potential raise, right? 
If he hits all of his incentives. It's five and a half years. So it's pretty much the same thing. It's just extended and they're going to eat dead money if and when they cut him. And right. it's, it's you're right. He, they can get out of it after this year. They, he's really only on the team for this year for sure. And then next year they save uh, $4.2 million if they cut him. I got it as 4.9 uh, just from a Paul Denner tweet here. But yeah, it's whatever. You save $4 million there. That's... Uh, if he's not worth the money, then they'll, they'll make that move. Yeah, I don't see where Daner's getting his. This his may have been money. when it was first reported. It may yeah. have been adjusted since then. Yeah. Regardless, they can get out of the deal after one year if they need to. They're looking for some stability in the linebacking core, though, and he's really the only veteran out there that has extensive NFL experience. You can say that for Nick Vigil, but he's missed so much time. You know, one year of Preston Brown's NFL career is three years of Nick Vigil's NFL career. I know, at this point. Yeah, and uh, Preston Brown did have two interceptions last year. If you remember the first one, week one against uh, Andrew Luck and the Colts. I believe it was the Colts' first drive down the field. They get in the red zone, and it was a cover three uh, hook curl zone, and he stepped right in front, uh, pass intended for Jack Doyle. Andrew Luck shouldn't have thrown it. Preston Brown does his job, intercepts it, uh, saves a touchdown right there, and then he has another one, his is that his final game or game before his final? But it's against the Buccaneers where Sam Hubbard pressures, pressures uh, Jameis Winston, makes him make one of his patented bonehead moves yeah. and just throws it right into the chest of Preston Brown. Yeah, that was his second to last game. His last game was against New Orleans. Right. So overall, what do you think? I mean, we got a baseline below average starter that we expect to continue to start. Uh, but I wouldn't be against them potentially finding an upgrade if one of the guys we're going to talk about today takes a year three jump in his development. I think that they need him right now. They need that stability. They need the veteran. They need the guy that should be reliable because beyond him, there's a bunch of guys that haven't been able to stay on the field or haven't played in the NFL. Or haven't played well. Or all three. <laughs> all, yeah. all those things, or right? a combination of all three, yes. So so that's that's Preston Brown. He's a veteran. He needs to be that ideally average linebacker out there. He'll probably be a little bit worse than average if history is any indicator. But he might be the most productive linebacker the Bengals have in 2019. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. So on to the next player. Currently set to wear 51 for the Bengals. Sterling Sheffield, the undrafted free agent linebacker from Maine, the Black Bears. He was a South Jersey all-star in high school. He was a linebacker, I believe, in high school. He also played offense, so he played both ways. Third team, all group four selection in 2014. So not a highly sought-after recruit. Wasn't, you know, the Under Armour All-American or what have you, but has found his way onto an NFL roster, and I believe he's he's uh, very athletic, if I recall correctly. Well, I don't remember, uh, but I do remember that he was a tryout player. wasn't originally signed right after the draft as an undrafted guy. He was brought into rookie camp, and they signed him, and they waived uh, Brandon Bell, or they cut Brandon Bell to make room for him. So he must have had a good tryout for the Bengals to make the team as a as a tryout on a tryout basis. He wasn't as athletic as I thought he was, although his athleticism score is dragged down a little bit by he he ran at two twenty five, which is very very light to be listed at linebacker and just over six foot. But he ran at four seven five with pretty good splits. 
He had a really good three cone and a good broad, but he didn't do very well in the shuttle and didn't do very well in the bench press. I typed his name in the Twitter uh, to see if I can get any tidbits or anything from there. And uh, there is a picture of him. He must be 18 years old. And this is from February 2015. And it says, Clearview standout tight end slash linebacker Sterling Sheffield signs with University of Maine. And he's got such a baby face. As you do when you're 18 when you're, years old. Yeah. <laughs> and now oh, there's a picture of his, him with his family doing it, also signing on. That looks fun. I think the challenge for Sheffield is going to be, can he gain weight and play at that weight and maintain the athleticism? Because as it is, if he, if he at his pro day was 225, you, you can't play linebacker in the NFL at 225. You cannot. Not typically. But as an undrafted guy, you're likely playing a lot of special teams, and you can do that at 225. He could. But if he had to play defensive snaps, you wouldn't feel very good about that. I mean, that's Sean Williams' size. At, and Sean Williams is 5'11", so. Yeah. But the density. The, the scouting report on him from draftanalyst.com says, explosive linebacker, nasty disposition, breaks down well, disciplined, plays faster than his 40s. So he was a leader on that defense in Maine, but I think you're right. If he has a path to, to make the team in the NFL, it's going to be on special teams. Yeah, no doubt. These undrafted guys, that's what they do. Yeah. So, you know, that is where you're going to stand out. That is why they make the team. It's it's why you keep that last – you know, when you get down to 43 guys or so and you're trying to pick out your 45, 46, it's special teams for those last couple. And a lot of times it's a extra back, extra tight end, extra linebacker, and who's the best on special teams who can give you quality snaps in all four phases. So if you can do that, and if that's what I would tell. If I was an agent or a coach or whatever, if I'm talking to these guys, I'd be like, man – yeah, the playbook for defense is going to help you because, you know, obviously preseason. But if you are a special team standout, you'll find a spot. That's exactly it. And Darren Simmons likes his special team standouts. But I think that's probably the summary for Sterling Sheffield. Sterling Sheffield? Sterling Sheffield. All right, let's take a break. Let my brain catch up. And then we'll talk number 50? Number 50. Jordan Evans, after the break. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's Jake and Joe here. Countdown to kickoff. And next up, we're at the halfway point, Jake. Number 50, linebacker out of Oklahoma, going into his third year, Jordan Evans. 
And Jordan Evans is another one of those athletic linebackers on the Bengals who has shown that he potentially could do it all. Yeah. But hasn't put it all together very often. He has flashed putting it all together. He's had a few games where on limited snaps, he's graded out pretty dang well for pro football focus. But when he gets those full games worth of reps and he gets exposed for every snap of the game on the field, and I'm looking at games against New Orleans, game against Cleveland, he's not showing up quite as well. But when he's getting out there in spot duty, he's flashing the ability to, and and surprisingly, he flashes more, I think, in in the run game than as a pass defender, which is where we thought his strength would be, judging from his athleticism and his build, because he's a little bit smaller. He's uh, listed at 6'3", 242. So, you know, now I don't know if he's as small anymore, but uh, he was in a wide open conference in college. Everyone thought, well, he should be able to play well in space. But actually, you're right. I do think he's better against the run right now. And, man, if it could just click for him in in the pass coverage and if that's maybe that, you know, uh, something that has to do more with the scheme and the defense, because everyone has grade four really at linebacker for the Bengals yeah. for how long now. But when you look at his other grades on PFF here, like he went from uh, his total defensive grade in 2017 as a rookie was a 38, and in year two was a 52. 52 is not great. It's barely, you won't even want that guy starting, but that's a huge jump. His run defense went from a 53 to a 68. His tackling went from a 51 to a 73. Uh, his pass rush stayed the same. Coverage went up eight points so he did progress from year one to year two if you're looking at it that way and I thought he did play decently there was you know what it was it was a handful of plays in each game where you'd be like man Jordan Evans what are you doing out there it would be silly it'd be one where you're like man I feel bad for him he shouldn't be out on the field and then there was a lot of plays where he'd go unnoticed or and you watch it and review and you go okay he did his job a bunch of times and um yeah I'd like him to be able to round it out because I do think then that's why I said earlier about Preston Brown if Someone else can make a jump. And maybe that's Jermaine Pratt. Maybe that's Jordan Evans. Maybe that's Malik Jefferson. But that third linebacker spot is probably a competition between them. I hope Jefferson's in that. But then what if two guys stand up and, like, take that development leap? Does Preston Brown is just a guy again? And Nick Vigil's the one calling plays. Could you then play two of the younger guys? That's the best case, I think, is Jordan Evans figures out how to cover and then he can get on the field. Or or any of those guys, like you said, right. Malik Jefferson, Jermaine Pratt, whoever it is. If somebody can step up and get on the field and stay on the field, and if Nick Vigil can stay healthy and put it all together, then they get a lot more athletic at the position. Jordan Evans tested incredibly well. Yep, He was a 9.47 on the RAS scale. He ran a 4.5140, so elite straight line speed. Really good explosion in the vertical and the broad. Had really good agility times as well. They tested out uh, in, in the 80 plus, 80 plus percentile. The only knocks on him were his bench isn't great and his weight. He was 232 when he mm. ran those numbers. So can he put it all together? If he can, then he has the athletic tools to stick around. One thing that I think is noteworthy about Jordan Evans is he came into the league at 21. Now just 24. He still has time to figure it out, but he's, he is starting to run out of time. He probably has another year or two of, of getting those shots to prove it. You know what he reminds me of in terms of development? And it's only been two years. It's only been 800 snaps. But when I look at him, 
what they look like individually when you're watching them in, in you know, in a bubble uh, on tape. He reminds me of CJ Uzama the first two years where I was like, eh, you know, he's dropping passes. I'm not sure his route running is good. He's really not a good blocker. Uh, but the flashes are here, and there's a few plays here where I'm, or he looks like a decent tight end. And then your three hit, and, I, and he became a special team standout uh, along with developing continually at the, uh, the phases on offense. And I thought, man, he looks like a good number two tight end. And last year was his year to do it, and he looked good. He was decent, you know, in terms of you can count on him uh, to a certain extent. He's not an he's not a world beater by any way, but he got an extension. I think Jordan Evans. Now it's only been two years, and I'm kind of you know just making this comparison here. But I wouldn't be surprised if he took another small step in year three, and we looked at him a little bit differently because I do think. And when I said that about Preston Brown, I still think Preston Brown starts in the middle, but. Nickel package is what I'm talking about. It's going to be Nick Vigil and who? Do we want it to be Preston Brown or do we want it to be Jordan Evans? Do we want it to be Jermaine Pratt? And I think everyone would say you'd rather be Evans or Pratt. From an athletic skill set perspective, absolutely. You have to see if they can get their minds around it, really. Of course. And For and both guys. Can they hold up, especially for, for Jermaine Pratt, who looks like a grown man, but can they hold up in the NFL where everybody is big, strong, and fast? Right. Uh, Jordan Evans did have 167 special team snaps to your point last year. 52 of those came in punt coverage and 25, uh, sorry, only nine in kick coverage. So mm. they, they didn't use them on the kickoff coverage team, but they use them on punt coverage and they also used them uh, quite a bit in the return game. Right. So that's good for him. That's a good way to make sure he's active, make sure he's on the roster where it's, uh, you know, we, we looked at it before, and I believe Malik Jefferson was another guy that would played a lot of special team snaps. And we talked, we'll talk about him in depth. But uh, but looking at this linebacker unit coming uh, just off of Sterling Sheffield here at number 51, knowing who these guys are that are going to play special teams are key in not only projecting who has a chance to start, but who has a chance to be active. So that's also something we got to look at with Jermaine Pratt because Nick Vigil struggled with that his first year. And are these guys at least playing special teams if they're not starting? So for Evans, we know he's going to play it. We know Jefferson's going to play it. Uh, that gives them a chance to at least play on Sunday. Even Nick Vigil last year played 30, 30 snaps as a kickoff return uh, team guy. Also played in the punt coverage unit. So these guys are still playing special yep. team snaps, even if they're starting. Maybe we should lighten the load on special teams then and let these guys be healthy on defense. For, for Nick Vigil, I'm in favor. Right. What some about Preston those, Brown? Was he out there on special teams? Some of those he snaps, I'll, I'll look, some of those snaps were field goal blocking snaps. So I, uh, I don't know if those count quite as much. Preston Brown had 15 special team snaps last year, 11 on punt coverage, three on the field goal blocking it. team, and one on the punt return team. I wonder what happened where, where Preston Brown had to go out there Did for Buffalo one punt more? return snap. Did right. Buffalo use right. Preston Brown in special teams? Yes. Right, it's got to be on there. Yes. I thought they did. Extensively. Right. So he was playing a lot of snaps. 1,000 on defense, a couple of hundred on special teams. Uh, 100, 130, yeah. Okay. So that wraps up our countdown to kickoff for this particular show. In the third segment, we'll talk about a PFF article that you should probably go read that talks about how Joe Mixon is going to absolutely love the Cincinnati new scheme. Of course, Joe's also written about this over at The Athletic. And then we'll talk about team records, all-time career records for the Bengals that have a chance at falling in 2019 and in some cases 2020. So we'll be back after the break to take a dive into the history books. Guys, 
let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment three, Locked On Bengals Podcast. Jake, I got a surprise um, bonus question, bonus round trivia question for you. All right, let's go. Okay. Who... On the current Bengals roster, at linebacker, is the highest drafted player. So you guys at home listening on your car ride to work or listening on your smart device, you can answer too while Jake is uh, ripping his hair out trying to think of this one. There, there's so many third rounders. Right. Which is so the which highest one was the highest? Rounder. Was it Vigil? It was not Nick Vigil for sure. For sure. For sure. Was he a comp- compensatory one? No, he wasn't. I don't think so. He was 83, though, so he wasn't. Uh, I think he was just a mid-third. Well, I've missed mid-third. my guess. You missed your guess. So that's it? Well, I mean, I could keep guessing, but my odds just get better. Right. So, yeah, I'll give you one more guess, then, one if you're more just guessing. Guess. There was, all three of these guys were drafted in the 70s of the remaining three. Did, did they pick Pratt early this year? I think it was it. I, man, my memory is fully failing me, so I'll say Pratt. It is Jermaine Pratt. Pick seventy right. second overall. Preston Brown seventy third. Malik Jefferson seventy eight. I wouldn't have guessed Preston Brown seventy three. I know it was right neck and neck. When I first saw Preston Brown as we were doing this, getting ready for number fifty two on the countdown, I thought 
he might be the highest drafted linebacker on the team until I went through them all. And they said, ooh, Jermaine Pratt, one pick ahead. Remember when they tried to draft linebackers in the first two rounds and that didn't go so well, so now they don't do it anymore, I guess? Was it, what do you mean, like Pollock and uh, Pollock and, and Thurman? Rivers and Thurman. Pollock would have been a D end as his career went on. He yeah. was more, he was playing that more and more, but yeah. yes, you're right. And and all three of those guys could have been okay, except I don't know what oh. happened with Keith Rivers. Right, Rivers and Maluga also. Maluga too, right, yeah. Right, wasn't the same year, but it was basically one year after the next. Yeah. Well, I guess they won't pick USC linebackers in the future. No. Or Georgia. Those are Georgia. They went Georgia and then USC. Maybe we should not take them from the same college. Yeah. Maybe that's I mean, Roquan Smith, they would have picked him. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're going to get into some history here. We've got the feedback that our history knowledge isn't up to snuff. So I spent some time doing some research. But before we get there, quickly... Just want to refer you to an article written by Evan McPhillips over at Pro Football Focus. He joined the podcast a couple of weeks ago to talk about the Bengals from a PFF perspective. He did an article on Joe Mixon's performance and why there's reason to be optimistic for him, specifically highlighting his success in the outside zone scheme and his ability to run well. And, and he kind of flipped this from his rookie year to his sophomore year. But he he's improved and now is better running from under center snaps than he is from shotgun snaps. If you keep pounding his head into the wall, eventually he'll learn how to run through the wall. I don't know where the, where that was going. I think but the analogy is there is no wall. There's a bunch <laughs> of people running at you. Your offensive line isn't doing anything, but you're good enough to dodge them. Well, the rookie year, I was I was going crazy because they kept putting him under center and just using him like Jeremy Hill. Like, oh, this guy's two two twenty five. This is how you use a 225-pound back. And I'm like, no. He ran out of shotgun almost exclusively at Oklahoma. And his yards per carry was flipped that rookie year. It was poor under center, good from shotgun. And then this past year, it, uh, I guess, you know, he adjusted. He learned. He developed. And that's idea because he's going to be under under center or a quarterback's going to be under center. He's going to be running uh, from that alignment way more than from shotgun with a Ram-style offense. Yeah. So so the summary of the piece is pre-snap motion, outside zone running concept, running from oh, under yeah. center a little bit more, misdirection pre-snap. There's good also, reason to believe that Mixon could bust out big time. Also, he's the third highest graded outside zone runner based on PFF, right? Yeah. According to this article, he's behind only Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara. So that's that to me that uh, I you know that's something I can't I don't have access to unless they tell us. I love that because uh, you can see it on tape. Yeah. There's, there's a great clip of a, an incredible run he had against the Browns, too. The Bengals were losing 28-0 to zero at this point, going into halftime. And uh, the, the I don't remember who it was. 25 on the Browns gets a free shot at Mixon. Oh, yeah. Just yep. after the handoff. On the right he side. makes a miss in the backfield and then dances for another, I don't know, 35 yards. Yeah, yeah, about 35, 37-yard run. And he makes probably two guys miss on the play, and that's a real highlight for him. That's a fun There's a lot of watch. Joe Mixon love this offseason out there. There is. A lot of it from the fantasy guys. So that's enough about the current Bengals. Let's take a look at, well, some more current Bengals, but also some historical Bengals, some records that have a chance at falling in 2019. Joe, do you have any guesses before we get started at some that might be under siege? I'm expecting 
the quarterback numbers to be um, under attack, whether that's late this year or early next year. But in a good Andy Dalton season, and he is right on the cusp of uh, being number one in almost every category. He needs two years to catch Ken Anderson in most categories for completions, for passing okay. yards, for touchdowns. I think he needs a little bit of time. Actually, for, for touchdowns, he, he needs 31. So that's the first one that he might catch this year. Andy Dalton needs 31 touchdown passes. He's currently third. Ken Anderson has 197 to his 167. Took Ken Anderson 15 years to do it, though. Obviously a much different era. Right. But uh, Dalton has a chance of catching him here, I think, in his eighth year, ninth year. You know, I want Kenny Anderson to get into the Hall of Fame before Dalton passes him. I think era-adjusted, we're smart enough now to know. I hope know so. Know what the difference is. Because Kenny Anderson still has a better passer rating. Than, or is it, I think he still has a career-best passer rating for the Bengals. And, and that would be era, amazing. You mean not adjusted? Not adjusted. That, that's pretty amazing if he does. I actually yeah. don't know. But uh, I know adjusted, you know, he's his top four or five years are four of the top five Bengal seasons of all time. Yeah. So the second one that Dalton might get back on top of, and I say back on top of, because he might have led this at some point in his career to this point, but he's 0.6% behind Carson Palmer for career completion percentage. And he needs two 300-yard passing games to pass Boomer Esiason to get to number one for 300-yard passing games all time. And this is one that you would expect in the current era. Yeah. Any quarterback could come in and smash this record, I think. Maybe so not that should any, happen this year. What's that? That should happen this year. This should absolutely happen this year. I think he's at 30 or 29 or something or 28. I don't actually have the record book open at this point. I just have my notes. Quick math isn't our strong suit, or else I'd say 0. .6 in completion percentage. If he's thrown... Geez, I don't even know how many passes he's thrown in his career. 5,000 passes. He, I'm thinking, um, you know, what that number would have to be to, to go up 0.7 in his career completion percentage in order to pass Carson Palmer. It has to be a pretty good year. Yeah. I think. But I think he could do it. It's not It's not even a full percentage point. Sure, but it's all out of 5,000 throws. Yeah, I, you know? I got you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just trying to do that math. I started doing the math in my head. Me too. <laughs> and I stopped. I'm not ready to do it while we're recording. So we'll no one wants on. to hear that. AJ Green needs 13 touchdowns to tie fullback Pete Johnson for the most touchdowns scored by any Bengal in history. Pete Johnson has 70. AJ Green is currently at 57. 70 in six years for Pete Johnson. 70 in six years. Yeah, Pete Johnson was a touchdown machine. He won some fantasy leagues back when they were calculating it and looking at box scores in the newspaper. Yeah. From 1977 to 1983, Pete Johnson. Uh, A.J. Green needs a couple years to catch Chad Johnson in most categories, but there are a couple that he could get to this year. He's 2,500 yards behind Chad Johnson for yardage, career yardage totals. 200 receptions, under 200 receptions, just under 200 receptions behind Chad for number one on receptions all time. But he only needs nine touchdowns to catch Chad for receiving touchdowns all the time. He's currently third on the list, also behind Carl Pickens. It's amazing that Chad was – I mean, I know Chad was that productive. There was a time where four straight years he led the AFC in major categories. And he, when you compare – and, you know, because then I think everyone looks at it and says, oh, hands down, we know how good Chad was. But A.J. Green's better. He is better. We've seen him. He, look, look what he can do that Chad never could do. And 
in terms of distraction, it's not even a competition. But uh, you look at their numbers side by side at the same point, and you go, wow, Chad was super productive. It's easy to forget just how it good is. Chad Johnson was. And we all remember him being very good, but he led the AFC in receiving yards for four straight years. I think the only other player to do it at the time was Jerry Rice to lead his conference right. in receiving four years in a row. I mean, that's elite company. Yeah. That's when they needed a new influx of receivers. Remember at the time, early 2000s, I mean, Jerry Rice was still really good for the for the Raiders. Yeah. Him and Tim Brown were still really good. Keenan McCardell's out there for the, for the Bucks, catching passes and, and producing numbers. They were ready for that next generation to take over. And, I mean, T.O. was was of the in his prime but uh chad and steve Randy smith moss had to be coming around yes too. but it was he was with the raiders right after that it wasn't until he went back to the patriots for him to really get his career back in line but they i remember the league needed some of these receivers to step up and and be that next generation and chad he capitalized on the perfect time to do it and joe horn of course joe horn there's a name. cell phone under the gold post joe horn yeah. i have a joe horn uh mcfarland figure is he pulling a cell phone out from the goalpost? No, he's diving for the pylon. It's a really cool figure. That's cool. Joe Horn, huh? He only needs one hundred yard game to beat Chad Johnson for the most one hundred yard games in Bengals history. So that'll happen. That'll definitely happen. Moving on, uh Kevin Huber should break records for the most punts and punting yards in Bengals history. He needs just fifty punts to That's get to number not. one. And I think if he gets those 50 punts, he'll also get the yards. Let's hope he doesn't, though, right? Uh, sure. Let's hope. If he only that... punts 45 times, this is a really good offense. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. I want to look real quick, actually, now that you say that, to see what the fewest amount of punts was for a Last team year. in 2018. Do you have any guesses? Yeah, I would say 41 for the Kansas City Chiefs. Very close. The Los Angeles Rams and New Orleans Saints had 43 apiece. Kansas City had 45. But after mm. those three, 57. I actually looked at this halfway through the year last year. Okay. Only because the Bengals were punting. In, and this was an, an article I did where I thought the Bengals were punting in situations they shouldn't be punting. Right. Yeah. The Bengals ended up punting a very league average amount of times. They were 16th, right in the middle. Yeah. 71 punts. Of course they were. Of course they were. Right in the middle. Average that everything. Most of their numbers are right in the middle. I did get in an argument on Twitter today about whether the Bengals' offense would be decent in 2019 because Ian Kenyon said they're a bottom five offense with a bottom two offensive line. And while they might not be a good offense, that, that remains to be seen. I think bottom five is a bit much for me considering they were averaging uh, 26 points per game before Dalton got hurt. Before Dalton got hurt, huh? Twenty, yeah, they they were, which would have been eleventh in the NFL had that been the end of the year. Twenty, and it was like thirty-two. They were, they were like they were number three. I want to say when Eifert got hurt. Uh, yeah, they, their first five games they were like thirty-one points per game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I looked as I was looking through the records. I think the least likely record the Bengals have to ever fall. I think there's two. One is Coy Bacon's 22 sacks in 1976. Never going to fall, you mean? I, I have a hard time. I mean, it has happened recently, right? Sure. Yeah. But it's very rare. Right. You, that means you have a generational Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, it means you have a J.J. Watt or an Aaron Donald or Khalil Michael Mack. Strahan. Sure, yeah, Michael Strahan on your team. The other one is Ken Riley's career 65 interceptions. We've talked about this one, I think, tangentially in the past. The closest in recent history is Leon Hall's 26. It's amazing. Beth <laughs> O'Neill had 10 one season, and that's the single season record for the Bengals. But no one's done no one's done it for the length of time Ken Riley did it. Ken Riley had a season with nine, he had a season with eight. He has yeah. several seasons that are in the top of the Bengals record book as well. We talk about era adjusted numbers for quarterbacks, but there is a huge curve for era adjustments on interceptions. They are down as low as lower than they've ever been, and it's been a complete trend of a drop-off for interceptions. And that's why quarterback ratings is higher than it's ever been. Completion percentage is higher than it's ever been. I mean, offenses are not throwing the ball in the defense's way. Yeah. You know what's interesting, looking at Ken Riley here, he is in an AV average value, or whatever that number is from Pro Football Reference, 210th since 1960. Overall, that is? Yeah, overall. So when, when Bengals fans start to argue with him, approximate value, that's the one. Bengals yep. fans have argued for Ken, Ken Riley to be a potential Hall of Famer, and, and that's probably a lot of where that argument comes from, the 60, 65 picks and just the, the consistent consistent good play. Is he the guy who never made the Pro Bowl? You're going to have to click on him. because He, I th- he did not. He never made a Pro Bowl, but he was a first-team All-Pro. In his last yeah. year in the NFL, in 1983, he had eight Weird. interceptions, had two touchdowns, was a first-team All-Pro. Yeah, that, how does that happen? Is that I just, don't know. That will never happen in today's NFL. No, it couldn't. Couldn't. So a couple other records that are likely to fall this year that I or, or be changed this year. I think sacks, Eddie Edwards had 83.5 for the Bengals in his career. Carlos Dunlap's currently number two at 64.5, so it won't be this year. But if Carlos hmm. Dunlap has another couple years, he could get there. Geno Atkins is currently number four at 61. So Atkins will probably pass Reggie Williams this year. He is currently third in the low 60s, I think 63. So Geno Atkins should get up to number three. And we'll see which of these two guys ends up at number two after the year. Or after the career. After Um, the career, yeah. You know, you bring in a Bridgie Williams now. He was brought up to us after we did, uh, what was the exercise we did? We did all-time players. Was it building a roster? Was it the number? I don't remember now. Even even just recently when we were looking at historical people to wear numbers, yeah. We didn't mention Reggie Williams, and that was our mistake. Yeah. This is part of why we want history lessons. I started reading a little bit. I think if someone was really good at Bengals history, there is a niche there that is not explored, and I think you can make um, some money just doing that. Just just write a book and come promote it on Lockdown Bengals. There's your idea. Yeah, that's what they'll do. First thing, after writing a book, they'll go on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're going to be a big deal, Joe. This is going to be where you're going to want to go to pr- to promote your Bengals work. You ever want to write a book? I've Yeah, but I, I don't know if I'd write nonfiction. Oh, really? I thought I, about doing a Bengals like scouting book, like a year, yeah. end, either end of the year or beginning of the year thing, scouting report on every single player with, you know, Maybe some articles on, on the ones I, I enjoy. People would love that. Maybe. You wanted to give people a code word this week, right? 
Oh, yeah. We're wrapping up. So how are we going to do Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so at the end, this is the end of the podcast, guys. So I'm going to give you a code word. All I want you to do is tweet it at Lockdown Bengals. So you're just going to tweet the code word so other people that did not listen all the way through the podcast won't know what it is. But if you tweet us the code word, and this week it's going to be mustache, just tweet us mustache, and we'll follow you back on the Lockdown Bengals account. Not this week. Or all week we're going to do it. Sure. All right. So a week-long promo. Get your follow back on. Get your follow back. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by Blue Chew. Go check it out, bluechew.com. You get a promo code, get it for free, pay shipping. Also, go find the podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.